This episode is brought to you by Valora. Valora is a self-custody, mobile-first wallet, and the easiest way to send, swap, collect, and purchase digital goods on the Celo blockchain. Download the app and start exploring today at valoraapp.com forward slash empire. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Empire. We have a... Uh, I thought we were going to have a glass, a glasses-less Santi today, but alas, here we are. Just a normal Man. Santi. I could go glasses because, folks, I don't read off the script, which is probably explains how sometimes I just butcher these episodes. But uh, no, for the most part, I have astigmatism, which means I can I can't read on like when I can't I can't drive at night without glasses. It's almost like you know, like you're drunk. Uh, you actually get fined. Like insurance doesn't cover me if I don't have my glasses. And looking at a computer screen, so it's like this light stuff that I can't. Like, it's just really blurry. So, hmm. anyways, you got to give me a fresh pair of glasses, man. I'm a uh... People, I, I've been wearing contacts since the first grade. I have negative. Anyone who has bad bad eyesight will understand what this means. But I have negative seven point five eyesight, which wow. is really bad. That's <laughs> really, uh, really really bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe in Austin, uh, I do have a this company that does it. Uh, I, I always get my friends. You got a guy? Company. You got a guy for that? Uh, yeah, I got. I always get a guy. You got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit mainstream, but I got a guy. <laughs> you got a guy. Love that. You're not you're not shopping at Warby no more. No, Oliver Peoples used to, no longer. Uh, no Warby. Yeah, I've gone through all of those. So What's the know. go-to this glasses brand these days? Should we give someone a nice plug? Or we, we no no free ads. No I free love ads. I love the leak alpha. <laughs> In this particular case, I will not. No free ads, baby. How we uh, how you doing? Uh, big you know big week. I wouldn't say there's a ton going on, but there was some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of folks recently. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm pretty much unchanged from last week, uh, right. but some interesting developments. How are you feeling? Uh, feeling good. We had Blockworks beers last night. Fun event. Oh, yeah. So we've been, we we used so Blockworks started out as a company pre media, pre newsletters, pre podcast, any of that, just by hosting. Our first ever thing that we did was host these six to ten p.m. happy hours in New York. Um, and like that's how Blockworks started. And then like as we started to monetize them and like turn turn those into like a real conference business, we um, we started just hosting these things called Blockworks beers for the community in New York. And we stopped doing them in 2019. And I was with uh, one of our sales guys, uh, this guy Max, um, in at ETH Denver, and we were meeting with a bunch of folks. And they were like, "Look, there's still there's like no New York crypto scene. Any there's like no like." place for us to come together that's not a big conference and i was like oh we used to do these things blockworks mm -hmm. beers and max was like let's bring them back so we, we brought it back and it was cool we had like we tweeted it out once we had 250 people register and had like probably 150 people came out last night and good oh, wow. where was that by the way uh we rented out some bar and we rented some bar you can do these like weird deals with bars in new mm -hmm. york i think everywhere where you're like we'll br if we bring at least 100 people you give us the space for free it's a Wednesday awesome. night, so you know you're, you'll nice usually have minimal traffic. Yeah, nice. Galaxy used to do these uh, back in the day. Like I remember going to these like 2016, 17. Yeah, but Galaxy did them at uh at that at, at that their office. No, Gal. Oh, okay. Well, I'm thinking of a different one. I'm thinking of the ones that they did on like Thursday or Friday nights in New York, where yeah. it, was, it was at the restaurant and it turned into the club. And oh, like, I wasn't. Uh, I, I may have gone to one of those, but no, I think these were in their offices. Uh, Oh man, New Yorkers yeah. will know what I'm talking about. I think Novogratz ended up buying the restaurant that they hosted them at. <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but yeah. no, it was a good. It was a good event. A lot of people to, uh, to Empire there. That was cool. Um, got to meet a lot of the listeners, and nice. basically everyone just 
told me how much better our show is than uh, than Mike's podcast on the margin. That was wow, kind of the consensus. But we already Absolutely. knew that. Um, Mike, we feel for you, but keep doing what you're doing. You know, yeah. we were there at one point once. <laughs> we were there. We were there. Uh, I do have good podcast news, actually. So oh. we had this big announcement uh, and like big podcast drop uh, of another show called A Thousand X, which is hosted by Avi Feldman and Jonah. Um, and we, we, we launched it on the Empire feed and it's a show like for traders, by traders. And we did one episode and then the compliance teams came down hard on us and uh, not, not Blockworks compliance, but some other compliance folks. And so we had to pause the show. But the good news is that a thousand X is coming back. Uh, you can find it on the Empire feed. Uh, fingers crossed for uh, episode two, first episode in a while of thousand X drops on Thursday. So next oh, Thursday. Wow. That's next coming back. You can find it on the Empire feed. Very nice. That's cool. Yeah. We'll save all the uh, tips and trading advice, uh, which I'm never good at, to those folks, which are much smarter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> to the big, big brain traders. So, um, let's start with uh, let's start with uh, Gary Ensler. Uh, sure. Yeah. Cool. Did you watch the? Okay, so a little bit of background. Uh, the House Financial Services Committee hosted SEC Chair Gary Gensler on Tuesday morning to discuss a whole bunch of stuff. So we were obviously focused on the crypto side of things, but they it was a bigger conversation around climate change and ESG and just like his, what 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 Gary and the SEC have kind of like done uh, in, in a bunch of different like new and emerging areas. So they're discussing the agency's response to crypto regulation, investor protection, security classification, ESG mandates. Um, there were uh, some, some, some pretty interesting uh, and some pretty like whiffed on answers i would say that gary had um but what was your take from either speaking to people who i know that you know or like kind of close to the scene there or just from 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 watching this what was your initial reaction so okay my first impression was obviously seeing what most people saw on twitter crypto twitter which is a few of the clips where he's being particularly asked if this is a security a number of times and he doesn't basically provide an answer then um there's an uh and there's another clip uh, that was going around, which basically, you know, he gets asked a bunch of yes or no questions he never answers and basically talks about how he's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, innovations going to China and he's not providing any clarity. A lot of the stuff that we've heard uh, from a lot of folks. And so when looked at that, you would have thought, hey, listen, like, you know, it didn't go very well for for him. And then surprisingly, I spoke with another person that. I consider to be one of the more ex kind of preeminent experts closest to what's going on. And um, their take and interpretation was, you know, yeah, like if you just look at those two clips, it looks really, you know, like a win for crypto. But by and large, I was surprised to hear that that wasn't their opinion, that he actually was very calm, even though he was shaking at times. Uh, and, you know, he it was just part of his strategy. So uh, that candidly caught me off guard and I don't really, we're going to dig deeper into this probably in the next um, week or two, we're going to have a, a regulatory segment uh, kind of on a quarterly basis, maybe, and you know, more often depending on how things progress, but I do want to, that was all I heard and I didn't really probe much. This person didn't have much time, but um, yeah, I don't know if you felt that way because the consensus seems to be this was a huge win for crypto. Look how regulator, like, you know, regulators or like congressmen really are pro crypto. And, uh, you know, they're aware that he's not doing a good job and hasn't provided clarity for the space, which is really driving innovation elsewhere. 
So I don't know what your, if, if that's your take or if you heard anything differently. Um, from folks outside of crypto, I heard that it didn't. So like my initial take was, wow, Gary really, really whiffed on this. Like this was a complete botch. Um, kind of like we got, we got them, but folks who I spoke to outside of crypto, um, just in kind of like traditional capital markets world, were like, yeah, these things are usually a snooze fest. This was more interesting than usual, but like it was still a snooze fest and like, there was nothing really important that, that important that was said. I thought some of the house Republicans, um, came down super strong on him and like did did a good job basically and like i think really pushed him and um i think it's abundantly my here's my one sentence takeaway is that if it wasn't clear before it's it's now abundantly clear that the sec specifically the sec under gensler intends to clamp down maybe even shut down most crypto related business in the united states and this includes exchanges mm -hmm on and off ramps, um, re really anything that's, I mean, they, they, he's just very anti-crypto. I mean, he, he said that mm -hmm. pretty, he said that nearly every token is a security, uh, mm -hmm. completely waffled on the, on the ETH response. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It was pretty, it was pretty frustrating. Like I was watching this and he had that one, one response where, uh, someone asked him if he had ever held crypto oh, and he, yeah. said, he said, he's never held crypto. He's never yeah. bought crypto and he's never used a crypto protocol. And mm -hmm. man, that was just, that was just a bummer to hear because he, that's like, that's like having a regulator in the nineties or the eighties say you have to use snail mail, but then admit to never using email, <clears throat> you know? And it's like, if you would just use this stuff, like go make a trade on Uniswap, go do a, make a $5 trade on Uniswap and see how cool of an experience it is. Um, go buy an NFT mm -hmm. on OpenSea and just, like see what it feels like. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that is, uh, yeah, sorry tweet. I mean, it, that is very, perhaps one of the most surprising things, right? He even taught a course in, in MIT. I'm like, guys, like why even go to college at this point? Like, I mean, this is the whole problem that I had in college. It's like, how can someone teach you about risk or something of investing if they haven't invested themselves? Like, I, I feel like this is a common thing too among like economic professors, finance professors. A lot of them certainly come from industry a lot of them are also just really so risk averse that they haven't even like touched the stock and i'm like well am i going to really learn from these people let alone like how are these guys like in charge and and trying to drive some sort of policy making so yeah very disappointing candidly it also yeah. al almost makes you question like how do these people actually get to office in the first place <laughs> <laughs> and the the interesting thing was, I think when he first got um, appointed, um, you know, everyone in crypto was very encouraging. He's like, oh, this guy like taught a course at MIT, like he's going to be very pro, uh, you know, crypto and it's been nothing but right. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a good a couple... segue, I think. I was going to yeah. say it was a good segue because this week also to your point around, I think it's abundantly clear his stance and his kind of intentions towards really clamping down on the continue to clamp down on the crypto industry what coinbase has done recently you know today announcing that they've uh acquired a license to operate uh in bermuda they also i think brian was in london meeting with um you know high-ranking uk officials to talk about his plans and plans of coinbase to kind of continue to operate in the uk and then you know there's a, a bill passed um uh, in the European Union Parliament. So we can talk about all of that in this broader context of what's going on in the regulatory world. Yeah, I think Coinbase had a really smart move this week. And I, I want to get into that in a second. But the 
I mean, the Gensler hearing, do you, like, when you see this, do you think anything will end up, for, I think for us, like, in crypto land, we see this and we're like, man, this was maddening. This was, I mean, he completely botched the answer around, uh, like, is, is ETH a security or a commodity? There were some, like, remarkable, uh, I think Tom Emmer did a great job. Uh, McHenry really grilled him. Um, Emmer kind of took Gensler to court in terms of, like, his favorable favorable approach to FTX, the impossibly high cost of compliance that they put on the crypto industry, uh, the the lack of new rulemaking for crypto, uh, combined with these like 55 enforcement actions they've taken, uh, his kind of like rogue actions outside of congressional authority, like really took him to court here. Do you think that they're like, well, I guess we'll have to ask um, uh, Travinsky and, uh, and, and, and Rebecca Reddick when they come on the podcast soon, but do you think this changes anything or this is kind of a nothing burger for you? I don't know. Part of me wants to believe that perhaps two years ago, three years ago, we wouldn't have had this type of, you know, hearing where, you know, you had like Hester Pierce and maybe one or two other, you know, officials that were kind of really out there talking about crypto, pro crypto. Uh, but now I think what's different now is that you do have one, it's getting a lot of attention whether people listen to it yeah. or, you know, or, or tuning into it, probably not. Right. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, I think you have uh, elected officials like congressmen really paying attention to this stuff because their constituents care about it. I'm, I, I got to believe that the reason why we have two, three, four kind of, um, you know, elected officials really bring this to light and, and issue a motion to like, you know, kind of, uh, replace uh the chairman of the sec um is largely driven by someone ju more junior and his staff saying hey this is a really important topic for our constituent base yeah so is it gonna matter i don't know i'm not a political expert i think it's gonna matter more than it has before which is kind of a meh answer but my hope is that in the like in the yeah. next election cycle it certainly bears more weight yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, you have Tom Emmer coming down hard, and he, I mean, he's the House Majority Whip. So, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. It, that's a great point. It's like not the fact that he's the whip. I mean, it, it, it's important, right? It's not like a yeah. random uh, or less. Yeah, you know, I think that carries more weight. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty remarkable that the political objectives of the chair of one of these three-letter agencies can start to just put companies out of business. Like there, I mean, I, I want to talk about Coinbase and their and their push into like Bermuda and like they were, they were meeting into, uh, uh, they were meeting with the UK, like you mentioned. But like, what here's what doesn't make sense to me: like, how is it even possible for, so so the SEC approved Coinbase to go public, and now they're coming back a year later or two years later and, and saying that they're operating illegally, right? Like that has implications, not just for Coinbase, but for investors in the public markets, right? Why are you allowed? Why did they let me buy coin stock, for example, but mm -hmm. then, but then now they're saying they're operating illegally, right? Like how, 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 how's that changed? And why are, why are we letting the political agenda of the mm -hmm. SEC chair in, impact these public companies yeah i think one of the more important statements from one of these folks was the role of the sec should be to create and incentivize capital formation and robust capital markets and to your point just now that really is very concerning because it sets a precedent of not only let's forget about crypto here for a second just normal companies like some of the other topics that were discussed was esg 
Um, I'm not particularly an expert on what Gensler's policies towards ESG have been, but that was also a big topic of discussion in the, in the sense that it's created kind of this, you know, it is it has harmed capital markets. And by that, I think it's what the regulator should really be focused on is being, and historically what makes the U.S. great is it's a, it's a system that works. It's predictable. It has a rule of law that has multiple checks and balances. And by and large, that gives p- investors and, and, and you know, civilians and whatnot, greater sense of security and certainty relative to other places in the world. If that all of a sudden gets put in question, then you're going to go elsewhere. Like the European Union or the UK are going to look at that. And I think are looking at that and saying, there's a big opportunity for us to be more relevant in the global scale on the innovation front, on attracting investors and capital formation. And so, you know, I, I, I mentioned this before in this podcast, and I would love to talk about it in, in the regulatory pod in the coming weeks. In the approval of the gold ETF, uh, you know, I, I guess decades ago, the U.S. was very much against approving a gold ETF. And European regulators approved it first, I believe. And then the U.S. saw that there was at a big disadvantage and then approved the gold ETF in local markets. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the same happens in crypto regulation. And I think you're starting to see it just today mm. um, where UK and EU regulators um, <clears throat> are, are providing a greater sense of clarity and process service providers, companies, investors, whatnot to operate. And that I think is going to matter significantly. That might be really the tipping point of what really pushes the U.S. in a more pro-crypto stance. And when I say pro-crypto, it's not that, you know, tomorrow they're going to come out saying, look, look, nothing's a security or whatever. It's more just the lack of certainty is really what's the biggest problem here. And it's very, I think, uh, uncharacteristic of the U.S. because most of the time you have a lot of certainty in the U.S., not in other places. And in this particular case, you're not. And so that I think is, is a new, yeah. whether you want to bucket that in a broader narrative of like the U S dollar debasement and the fall of the, imp- like, I don't want to get there. I think that's, you know, too far, far fetched, but, um, it's certainly impacting today. And you're seeing with the, you know, Coinbase is not a small company, right. It employs a bunch yeah. of people, you know, and, and so it's going elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, also today you had the, the MICA, which is the landmark EU crypto regulation, officially just passed uh, the the plenary of the the EU uh, par- parliament. So we will, I think we will see that continue to happen. On that point, and I'm not an expert on this because I haven't, uh, there's a great Coinbase uh, policy guy um, that is covering this in particular. And he was supposed to come up with a threat. I haven't seen it, but when that goes, I hope we'll link it in the show notes. Maybe we'll have him on as well to talk about this. It feels like there's a lot of things that are still going to have to be defined in this bill. But at least here's my understanding of the MICA is that like we don't actually know what the regulations. I think it's like step step one. But like the TL, the the one line summary of this is that one of the world's largest markets, the EU, is introducing regulations for crypto to protect users and support innovation. And this Mm -hmm. is, I think, what we're waiting for in the US now, which is like folks are saying, look, if you want to introduce things that will kind of clamp down on crypto, that that's fine. That's totally fine at this point. Just but but give us the hard line, give give us the details basically. So yeah. 
I think that's what the I think that's why this MICA bill um, and 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 the European Parliament voting for it and pushing it through is is important is because like they're pushing through really clear guidelines that say this is if you're building a crypto company this is how you have to operate um, and I think yeah. that's yeah um, absolutely uh, I don't yeah. uh, perhaps went out noticed by a bunch of folks but uh, Hong Kong also now recognizes crypto's property and so that was an interesting development mm. as well uh, just goes to show you know. Places like Hong Kong, Dubai have uh, really, I think, recognized an opportunity to attract uh, founders and capital um, that is in crypto. This episode is brought to you by Valora, the ultimate wallet for exploring the Celo ecosystem. You can easily access over 50 different crypto assets and over 30 different dApps for swapping, sending, and growing your crypto, all from your mobile phone. Their global app is localized into 13 different languages. It's available in over 100 different countries, which gives you the listener and the crypto explorer everywhere, a simple and easy way to send payments, purchase digital goods and access DeFi and refi apps. A refi app is an app like the Toucan protocol, which is a platform that helps you take climate action by easily buying, retiring or building with carbon credits. Super cool. So download the Valora app today at valoraapp.com forward slash empire. V-A-L-O-R-A app, A-P-P, Valora app, dot com forward slash empire all right let's talk about that coinbase news so this mm -hmm. uh this week also coinbase secured uh was granted a license to operate in the offshore financial haven of bermuda as it uh seeks to diversify its business outside the u.s uh coinbase is trying to establish an offshore derivatives exchange in bermuda which is a, a british territory to offer perpetual swaps uh, to offer perps which have historically been inaccessible in the US due to pretty tight regulatory restrictions. So I'm curious, uh, curious what you make of this push. Um, yeah, I mean, I think whether they're going to fill a void that FTX uh, used to have, uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting that they're moving this direction. And I think some people are speculating that they'll move entirely out of the US. I don't know how that will actually happen. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, I think as part of the lawsuit, you know, you got to think that they're hedging and, and building multiple avenues in case it really becomes difficult to operate in the U.S. Yeah. So on Tuesday, um, Brian Armstrong was at the Innovate Finance Global Summit. I think that's what it's called. And someone asked him a question about relocating. Like, could they relocate Coinbase outside the U.S.? And he said, look, anything's on the table at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Have you heard we, anything specifically on the loss, on the kind of the court date for this uh wells notice that no. they received yeah no i haven't but i heard that um i heard that the sec is incredible uh incredibly over i talked to someone who's very junior there um but they did say that like they're it, they're very overwhelmed because mm -hmm. be, that the, they're very overwhelmed at the fight that both ripple and coinbase are throwing at them um, they're trying to stack stack some wins and like basically because Ripple and Coinbase are fighting them so hard, it's taking up all everyone who knows about crypto at the SEC is now being put on the Coinbase and Ripple um, like kind of task force. So mm -hmm. I just heard they're overwhelmed with work right now. Well, I mean, uh, to your point, I do believe that because they also recently launched, uh, what was it, a enforcement action or uh, against Bitrix. So this is like two years two two years late uh is like a complaint of sorts and so yeah i think they're slowly working their way through the stack um 
perhaps even trying to get easy wins. But do you think this yeah. was a smart move for Coinbase? Because on, so on one hand, the US is like openly at war with crypto, right? And it's kind of like, what other choice does Coinbase have? On the other hand, this like offshore derivatives exchange is very like off brand for Coinbase, I would say. Coinbase mm -hmm. has been like kind of trusted, reputable brand. And when I hear like offshore perps exchange, I'm like, ooh, that's like kind of BitMEXy vibes, you know? Um, it's not really a great, like it's not really uh, what I would think of when I think of Coinbase. So like, what, what, what do you think of this move in general? Well, first of all, I think the US, saying that the US is at war with crypto is an unfair statement. It's, let's not confuse the stance of a particular individual with that of the US, because you also you saw mm. the whip. And I mean, I think there's a lot of political capital that is behind crypto. And sometimes it's difficult and I don't want to conflate it with I don't I fundamentally part of me believes and I'm optimistic that the US will change course because this country is just built on innovation. And and I think, you know, there's a reason why Silicon Valley thrived here. And, you know, I think we'll look back at this as like two year or three year blip where you know, one particular individual, one particular, like under a particular administration, it wasn't pro particular, you know, crypto, but that's, I don't know, it's a big generalization. So, but yeah, no, you're, look, you're back to the more important point. Um, I don't think it's going to hurt their credibility. Obviously, people think about, oh, look, FTX was operating in Bermuda and Bermuda, like, you know, whether we want to, like, I feel like it's unfair to say that's going to hurt Coinbase reputation. If anything, they're taking advantage of a huge void in the market. Like we talked about in another episode, someone's going to come in and fill this gap that FTX had. What the what the perps market gap? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, uh, Binance is doing this. Um, there's talks now. I mean, if you if, if you want to, yeah, Go ahead. Like, like they're trying to relaunch FTX, like Tribe Capital and a few of the existing investors. God. Look, I've seen crazy. I I, I don't want to dismiss like anything here because is it possible that they relaunch it and it works yeah like is it possible that we'll all get our money back yeah i mean crypto's rallied right so uh, like a lot of things are possible but let me ask you a question yeah. what would you rather where would you rather trade on a relaunched fdx with god knows which management or coinbase Coinbase. Uh, okay. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I I think this is great for the perps market, right? Like if it'll be, I was, I was thinking about what would happen to the, to the market just if Binance disappeared. Right. And there's really no good options. Either you go kind of with the like buy bit OKX crew, or you go where kind of like the liquidity sucks, which is like the Bitfinex, Darabit, BitMEX. Um, yeah. Or like the KuCoin crowd, you know, um, and you can go on chain, like you could use Quenta, um, mm -hmm. but you know, good to have that cross-chain collateral. Um, I don't think it hurts the application yeah. at all. I think it's just increasing their product right. suite and, you know, so you're pro, you're pro this move. This feels Absolutely. like an aggressive move. Uh, also Coinbase tweeted out we're more th that they're going through this eight week international expansion drive. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I think, I think this is, yeah, I, I, I like it. In many ways, it's like no different than like, uh, if you look at it at a, at a state level, like gambling is uh, illegal in some states, but not others. Like it's yeah. to say that like one company expands into another state because one, you know what I mean? It, 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 you know, you don't have, you're basically saying if this is negative for Coinbase, you're either thinking that because it went offshore, every other company that's gone offshore, <laughs> all of a sudden is sketchy, which is not yeah. true. Or that perps and these like, 
products are inherently bad and toxic, which also is not true in my opinion, because it just adds to market structure and, and robustness and liquidity. Like it allows for the form capital formation that is important for just market structure. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, U.S. regulators, politicians got to get it together. Uh, I feel like they're just fumbling the bag, pushing someone like Coinbase offshore. One of the, I think, has the opportunity to be one of the most historic companies of this generation, and, and we're pushing them offshore. So, yeah, definitely fumbling the bag. Um, other things that are interesting this week is definitely a slow news week. Uh, Flashbots launched M uh, MEV share. So yeah. the highlight of this is... Um, I can just read the kind of news summary and then give my quick take, which is that Flashbots introduced the beta version of the MEV share protocol, which is a permissionless matchmaking protocol. It allows users and searchers to collaborate together and for users to get paid for the MEV that they create. Uh, MEV share, if you got, if, if you know MEV boost on, it kind of builds on MEV boost to just continue unbundling the transaction supply chain. And my understanding of MEV boost was that it kind of enabled this collaboration between the validators validators and the builders and that mev share does the same but for searchers and users um key takeaway here is that i think this is going to be a big theme this year and we're just going to continue seeing like different ways to there, there are two ways to handle mev there's like the mev take which is that you should try to get mev out of the system and like try to minimize mev and then there's the mev take which is that you should try to just say that like okay mev is a thing and we should try to figure out ways to get the MEV back to the user. And MEV share is is the latter. This is a this is a uh, a protocol from Flashbots that is designed to hand some of the power back to the users. And my understanding is that now more and more MEV that's generated by a user's transaction will be as much of that as possible will be returned back to them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, pretty cool stuff. What those guys are up to. Um, should we talk about uh, something that I think is a few folks on ease, which is um, Tay from MetaMask. Uh, recently, or there's a, there's a few threads that are going on from her that is just, uh, there's an ongoing exploit. Um, and the source of it is still unknown. Uh, it has been targeting uh, wallets uh, across 11 different chains, I believe. And they don't really have, they haven't really pinpointed the common denominators or attack vector here. Um, it seems like, and we'll link to the, this uh, thread. I mean, she initially posted over the week and I think if you like listed a number of wallets and said, Hey, if you have, if, if you're the person behind this wallet, get in touch with us. Yeah. And then of course they didn't escalate it further and, and said, look, there's, there's an ongoing like draining of these wallets. It's happening. It included OGs in the space, include people that are you know pretty beefed up on security um, so unknown, there's some speculation and theories that it could be related to LastPass, which is that password manager. You know, if, um, basically if you've imported that or saved a copy of your private key in a password manager, in this particular case, LastPass was compromised, then, you know, that might be one, <clears throat> one cause. The other one was these folks have entered their private key on MetaMask or some other wallet. And so that exposes the, the private, basically if the private keeps has touched the cloud or the internet, then you know, it, it could be problematic. Um, so yeah, pretty weird, I'd say, um, that we haven't gone to the bottom of it. I think there's an ongoing team that is, you know, interviewing and collecting, kind of diagnosing uh, a lot of the affected users. Uh, I think this particular 
uh, attack has drained over 5,000 ETH, and it's been going on for a while, apparently. So I was uh, up late last night um, reading one thread from a particular individual that you know said, hey, look, I panicked. I saw Tay's tweet, and I was migrating some of my assets on Arbitrum and was detailing how you know this person is very, I would say, sophisticated like top five percent top one percent in terms of their security practices like air gap computer you know particular like separate computer just for um for crypto running an operating system not windows not mac I forget keep i forget the exact name but you know pretty pretty beefed up and knowledgeable and uh i was you know unfortunate i think he lost uh, five eth but it seems like that uh, and he then admitted to it after uh, was that he just kind of inputted like one of the addresses on, to the Orbiter Bridge contract was whitelisted. And so he kind of just flipped and didn't really check. So it was his mistake, not likely not related to this other attack that Tay's talking about. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I'd say it's been, to say that a few of us have been on edge is trying to understand what's going on is, is a bit of an understatement. I hope we get to the bottom of this fairly soon. Um, and so the thing that we do know, just to kind of wrap this up and let me know if you have other input here is it seems to be like old wallets. So maybe it's something related to key generation of these particular wallets. Now, there, and, there are some though that were created from in 2020 and 2021. As I right. Think yeah. <laughs> there are some that, that were. Uh, so but it anyways. Does seem like the, the folks getting hacked are like pretty crypto native, pretty OG. Yeah, folks. yeah. The scary yeah, thing. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, what to do is sort of the in these moments uh, is probably the biggest question that folks have. And um, I retweeted one particular one, which I, t I tend to agree with this kind of practice, which is, look, don't panic. If you are going to do something, be very vigilant. On, say, for instance, you assume, okay, maybe, maybe there's a zero day exploit in like the compromised version of Matt get all these users at one point what do you do right if you first of all get a hardware wallet and you know if, if you're not using a hardware wallet i think this is a good opportunity to then perhaps consider um you know buying a hardware wallet and and get familiar with how to use it there are a number of there out there in the market um and and then as an added step of security you can use like a gnosis safe which you know you could get multiple say three or up to i don't know say at a minimum three hardware wallets separate each with their own private key and you have to sign you know um two out of three or three out of five or whatever logic and so in the event that one particular private key gets compromised you just your assets are still safe presumably if the other two or three private keys that have been generated in a secure manner haven't been compromised right and so you know that's point number one. Point number two is I think this Horcrux model that you guys have heard me talk about. You know that I love Harry Potter. You know, Horcrux just means, you know, Voldemort shredded, you know, split his soul in seven different Horcruxes. Same with your wallet, right? You know, you never want to have just all your assets in one particular wallet. Maybe consider splitting them uh, in different places, right? And so, yeah, those are probably the two biggest, uh, you know, things that I that I would do, right? And so... The last comment here I'll say is, you know, maybe what I'm thinking is a lot of these guys, 
people that have been affected, even though they created their wallets a long time ago and they're, yeah, OGs, they're supposed to be like really crypto native. <clears throat> when you're creating a wallet back in the day, like maybe you didn't think much, right? People that minted punks were like, oh, you know, like I'll maybe I'll use a hot wallet. And same with it. A lot of people are trading their NFTs through a hot wallet. By the way, I'm not suggesting you do, but you know, and then didn't think much of it. And then five years later, those 10 crypto punks are worth a pretty penny, right? And so I think you always need to go back and, you know, adjust your security parameters based on the value that is being secured. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, so a lot there. Uh, this is a particularly scary, particularly scary one in my mind, because this is, it's people who have, it's like every variable, there's people who have touched multiple different variables. So like, uh, this isn't just people on a Mac. It's people on Mac and PC. It's not just Android or iOS. It's Android and iOS. It's not just yeah. MetaMask users. It's Ledger Live, MyCrypto, Exodus, Electrum, Coinomy, Coinbase Wallet folks, MetaMask. It's not just people who <laughs> stored keys in cloud storage or password managers. There were people who right. def who got hacked but definitely didn't store the keys in a cloud mm -hmm. storage or password manager. Um, sometimes they had multiple accounts. Sometimes it was only one account. So this is, yeah, this is definitely a concerning one. I think the first thing to do, by the way, Santi, before you go create the Horcrux, just create a new wallet. First things first. Like if you hold a bunch of coin in one wallet, just go create a new wallet. It takes two minutes um, and move your stuff carefully uh, into that new wallet and minimize where you you send and store your your recovery phrase. And don't keep Obviously all your coin check in your approvals. Wallet. Check your yeah. approvals. Uh, this happened and was important during the sushi contract exploit. Um, the new master chef that got deployed. You know, always you always got to check your approvals. Um, well, as it relates to creating a new wallet, I would say create a new wallet under a new private key, not in private yeah. key. Because if people have access to your private key, then you know it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, you know, I think um, we'll we'll continue to pay attention to this. Um, yeah. If Tay wants to come on and discuss further. Would love to have Ron. I think she does incredible work for the ecosystem. Um, the The important thing here is if you're going to move stuff, always, always, always verify the contract you're interacting with and the receiver. So even if you have a hardware wallet, um, what happened to this particular person yesterday was he didn't care to, he or she didn't check the two address, send address. And so this has happened to a number of people that are very sophisticated way back in the day. It happened to Hugh from Nexus, right? He had a compromised version of MetaMask. He opened an attachment, new, like corrupted version of MetaMask. And then that swapped the two address. He didn't check. He was using a, like a claiming transaction, nothing. And then boom, you know, like his wallet constraint. So yep. always, always, always check the two function. Yeah. And when in doubt, just take time, breathe and like be calm. I know it's hard. Uh, so it makes you wonder, like, this. these are the moments where you're like, yeah, like, crypto's not easy. And every once in a while, like, you have to really pay attention to this stuff. And I certainly become more aware of what happens in the cybersecurity community writ large. Like, you know, people that are, there's like a recent security upgrade uh, across iOS, like, that Apple had to patch. And it was discovered by this like white hacker group. Um, so you have to pay attention to all this stuff. And sometimes it could be, yeah, it could be a bit stressful. I yeah. Say. Yep. We're not immune to stress. It's, mm. it's, uh, breathing it's pretty heavy over there, something. <laughs> no, man. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Like, 
<laughs> I usually uh every time you think you've seen it all in crypto, you're just like, no, no, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Anything else, man? Um I did want to I did want to mention something, but I'm blanking right now. Don't think too hard. Were you were you, uh, were you trading Pepe? Were you, were you uh no, no, no. no, there's like this whole Gushing around like all these altcoins. I've sort of missed the boat on that, to be honest. I wasn't paying too much attention. But apparently it, you know, I think it was a good indicator that the market was feeling a little toppy and frothy. And so uh, I think the day after Pepe, like the market just kind of like, like, okay, we've had enough of this irrational exuberance. Let's go down six, seven percent. Yeah. You see, there was a uh, there was a searcher from uh, with the ENS address, Jared from Subway. Jared from Subway.eth made made. Yeah, made 12,000 transactions in a 24-hour span. At one point, Jared from Subway <laughs> was taking up 7% of all the Ethereum block space. And I think it was on Wednesday. I think it was yesterday that um, uh, this person had a trading volume of 700 million WETH or WETH, whatever you, I don't know how you pronounce it, yeah. 200 million Pepe and 100 million Wojak. And there was one sandwich that I saw that made made a cool 30K in one trade. So... Good work, Jared from Subway. Made made a million bucks on Tuesday. Wow. Yeah. What bear market? Um, oh, one other like minor tidbit, and I remember. So Tesla apparently is uh, holding what three hundred and chain million and three hundred million or so of Bitcoin uh, in the first quarter because I think their earnings came out and they haven't uh, touched a single one. So they just kind of keep holding it. So it's really interesting. Tesla or MicroStrategy? Tesla. Oh, interesting. Tesla. I mean, MicroStrategy holds like 1% of all Bitcoin, right? Uh, which is way more than that. Um, but no, Tesla has some Bitcoin in their balance sheet. And uh, they have, they at least this quarter, when the earnings came out, that was one piece of uh, hmm. interesting tidbit that came out. Hmm. True wrap? I think so. Short week. Uh, but what are you uh, doing this weekend? Sorry? What are you doing this weekend? I'm gonna try to run. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I run. I'm just I'm just gonna go for a run. <laughs> just escape your thoughts. Nice. <laughs> what are you doing? Hanging, hanging, relaxing. Married life, I guess. Nothing exciting. I'm getting dumplings in Chinatown tonight or dumplings. tomorrow night. New yeah. York has great dumplings, don't they? Great dumplings. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Did flushing What's flushing Queens for some dumplings last week, and this week uh, going to Chinatown. So. So you like assess big dumpling, kind of dumpling. Yeah. big yeah, dumpling. just assessing dumpling? What's your favorite dumpling? I like the soup dumplings. But like, what's the inside of the dumpling? Oh, like a like a good pork dumpling. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Wow, <laughs> That's how you know it's been a slow week is when we're talking dumplings. I know. Well, I think this is a good way to wrap it all up, right, uh, folks. Whether you like dumplings or not, whether you're gonna go running or not, have a great weekend. Um, and uh, we'll be we'll be here next week. We have some good lineups next Monday. Week. We've got a banger. Oh no, Tuesday banger of an episode with uh, Doodle CEO. Uh, right. Santi woke up and chose violence that day. So <laughs> it was a, uh, a tough interview, I'd say that that you you led there, Santi. You know, talking at this point, people. Uh, I I think people appreciated some of the questions that we've been asking some of our guests. Uh, there was a comment that we were just like really all pro crypto and bullish, and we always like to keep a balanced discussion. But sometimes, you know, you got to ask normal questions and if those come across as tough i'm sorry we're just trying to get to the truth here and oh you know push the space forward that's all we're really trying to do here folks
See you Tuesday, folks. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great weekend.